Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Her Wild podcast listeners, are you getting sleepy? Yes. Yes. We were asking that question because today on this episode, Kate and I are going to explore the deep world of hypnosis, what it is, what it isn't, all the myths around it. And then we might even end with a little hypnotic induction for those of you who want to stay on long enough to listen to this do not be, episode. Do not be driving your car. Yes, you may not listen to this, at least that portion of this episode while you're driving or operating heavy machinery. <laughs> so the inspiration for this came because Kate and I just interviewed a physician from Denmark. We're not sure when this episode is going to actually air, so we don't know if this one's going to come before or after But she talks about how through some of her training and things in her life, she is now studying hypnosis as a deep um, sort of healing modality for working with people's core sort of issue or trauma or challenge. And Kate and I were like, we know hypnosis. Yeah. I've been practicing it for 20 years in my private practice. I use it with majority of my clients I've done a lot of training in it, have used it on myself repeatedly. And Kate has had a hypnotic experience too. So we were like, let's talk about it. I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Yeah, because we did do an episode on therapy, I was thinking. Uh Uh-huh. But we didn't really talk about this in in particular. And and just hearing from uh, Christina about that this may actually, this ancient practice may actually be incredibly important moving forward and that maybe more physicians that are on the cutting edge of holistic looking at behavioral therapy differently. And mm-hmm. this is something that they're almost returning to, yeah, to, to, to work in conjunction with cognitive behavioral therapy. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating how, I mean, things, everything old is new again, kind yeah, of sometimes totally. and the um, good stuff always comes back around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we should um, first uh, help people understand what it is. I would say um, I've always been shocked at how few clinicians actually use hypnosis. And I, and the reason it's so shocking is that there is so much research on it. There are scientific journals solely devoted just to hypnosis. So it's a very well-researched and um, empirically supported technique but it's somewhat challenging to find clinicians who use it. And so I've always been confused by that. However, perhaps one of the reasons it's so misunderstood is hypnosis's portrayal in the media, right? Whether it's in movies where someone's got a pocket watch and they're hypnotizing people, or when people are hypnotized, they do horrible things or they make fools of themselves. And so we have this deep fear of like, why would I want someone to control my mind? And 
make me cluck like a chicken or do something beyond yeah. my um and let's be conscious honest, control. Many of us, our experience has been at prom, after prom parties. Yes, absolutely. Um, we so were just asking our producer that. We're like, have you ever been hypnotized, <laughs> Chanel? She's like, prom. prom. <laughs> yeah, so. so even we've kind of, of course, in America, we've made it more of a entertainment. Entertainment versus the depth right. of healing that right. it can possess. So we'll get into the whole um, prom party hypnosis because I actually want to debunk and like let everyone in who wants to know how they do what they do because I know exactly how they do what they do. So I'm going to, we're going to talk about that, okay. but we should first just say what is hypnosis and hypnosis is um, when you go into a trance state, which is a state of deep relaxation in the body. And when our bodies get very deeply relaxed, our minds open and they become very open to suggestion and new ways of being and new ways of thinking. Now, these trance states that we go into in hypnosis are not new. Humans, since the dawn of time, have been going into trance states. You view a beautiful sunset and you kind of go into this liminal trance space where you're totally in the present moment and sort of like time stops and you're sort of sucked into what's happening. People go into trance at movies. People go into trance driving. while they're driving. People go into trance while they're mowing their lawns. So we are constantly moving in and out of these trance states all the time, every day. So it's funny when I do hypnosis with people clinically, they'll come out of it and they'll be like, well, I don't really feel anything. I don't think that worked. I heard everything you said. And so I always have to prime people that we have this perception that when we're hypnotized, it's going to feel magical and otherworldly and weird and we'll forget everything. And because it's a naturally human experience, your brainwaves are going into this alpha state, which is a similar state we're in right before we fall asleep at night. Um, it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel strange. Because we've, yeah, we're, we've been doing it. We've been most doing of our it lives. our whole lives. And yeah. they say the first seven or eight years of a child's life, they're almost in trance state the whole time, which is why those first seven to eight years is why uh, children, so, you know, sort of your unconscious mind is set in those first seven to eight years. So tell me more about that, because as a child, I read recently that you don't have a lot of memories like before age three because you don't have language. And you need like language to be able to kind of frame experiences. So, but you are taking in everything. So when you're, so children are like in a trance like state, meaning they're, they're, they're absorbing things or they're, what does that mean? Yeah. So I can explain it. I think best by talking about our brain waves. So again, the brainwave associated with this relaxed state is, is alpha brainwaves. And so when, when adults go into a hypnotic state, we're usually in this alpha brainwave. And children spend most of their time in alpha and theta brainwave cycles, which again is that same state we are in when we're in hypnosis or meditation so you can imagine your child walking around in sort of this permanent state of suggestibility. So anything that's going on around you, the child is suggestible to, meaning they take it in and it begins to create their worldview and the way they perceive themselves and humanity and life. 
So children are in this like super learning state all the time. Soaking. And soaking stuff up. And so, of course, if a child is raised in a supportive and loving and encouraging and rich environment, like emotionally rich environment, that's what lays down their perception of the world. Whereas if a child is raised in a chaotic, overwhelming, um, abusive situation, that's what lays down their perception of themselves in the world. So, so yes, children are in that kind of open, suggestive state. And then using hypnosis, we can go into those states again and rewire. So basically what we were raised in doesn't have to be our destiny. That's the good news about all of this is that we literally can rewire the pathways and sort of the stories we were sort of soaked soaked into us in those first seven years and create a new thread or a new story or a new way of being that actually serves us more. Mm -hmm. So I love this idea that we're not slaves to our biology or upbringing. We do have the capacity to shift it and change it. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in so many clients I've worked with, um, this power to really actually shift and change how our unconscious mind and how our mind works. Oh, I know it's a biggie. It is, but, but it's also, it is empowering to think about. And, um, it's like the, I always think of the neuro pathways. It's like, uh, like these cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. That's how old I am. I am too. But it's like, yeah, they're like, they're, it's the track that's been playing over and over and over. And by going back into that state, going back through that state, you can, you can interrupt that. Yeah. And then maybe you upgrade from yeah. a cassette to more like a CD. So when you think about how we have to actually go back to to be able to release some of those things or to 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 restructure, right? yes, mm-hmm. and just interrupt that, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm guessing it works when you want to quit smoking. Yes, or- smoking cessation is really well researched, um, and I've done lots of sessions with people. That actually, even after just one or two hypnotic sessions, people quit smoking. They don't have the desire for any for anymore because we wire we rewire that pathway, that addictive pathway that they have. Um, so it's very effective, honestly. Uh, and I'm, I know I'm biased because I've been working in using hypnosis for all these years. Um, it's really useful for so many issues. Smoking cessation is very well researched. It's very well researched for uh, labor. So I used self-hypnosis for all three of my births. And I remember during my second birth, I was on like a birthing ball and I had my little, uh, we didn't have AirPods then, but I had um, Walkman. my Walkman <laughs> on, right? Uh, listening to a hypnotic induction tape that I had created for this birth experience. And, you know, you can still hear it. People, again, think you totally disappear and go somewhere else. I was totally conscious of everything going on around me, but my eyes were closed and I was in sort of this more receptive state, which allows you to manage pain better and sort of change the type of sensation you're having in your body. And I remember one nurse saying, what is going on with her? She's having a major contraction right now. And look at her. What's going on? Oh, funny. And I could hear her saying this, right? Like I knew she was saying this. And I think I even opened one eye and was like, I'm using hypnosis. And she's like, oh, wow. Whoa. Right. Because she was watching the meter and I was having this big contraction, but I was able to stay in such a peaceful, settled space while my 
cervix was dilating. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Also though, even for anxiety and depression, anxiety, depression, I also believe hypnosis is really good at helping people um, because, and we haven't even mentioned this yet. We have a conscious mind and a subconscious or unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind is what's again, set up in those first seven to 10 years. And it really is like the background music of our life, but it really drives our behaviors and our decision-making. And so what hypnosis does is it rewires the subconscious mind. We're not working at the conscious level. That's what talk therapy is for. This is getting deeper into the recesses um, of the mind. Hypnosis goes directly into the subconscious. Yeah. Which is where people are really holding these old stories. And so that's why I think sometimes talk therapy can't get at the root cause because it's deep in the subconscious, but hypnosis can take you in there and help you get more into the root cause of why you're suffering. Yeah. And you, you and I have practiced this on me. Yeah. I helped you prepare for surgery one time. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, we can. I, I think in some ways you know, combining things are always can, because I remember, you know, talking through with you that I had this coming up and we talked first Yep. and then, you know, you did a hyp- hypnosis on me and recorded it so that I could then re-listen to it. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of anxiety about mm-hmm. an upcoming surgery several years ago. And you're like, let's just do, let's just try this hypnosis on you. Yeah. yeah. And I honestly, luckily was like, you trusted me. So yeah, you're like, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, but you had me walk through the whole experience ahead of time. Yeah. And you visualize your ideal outcome. And I was able to like, who's there? What's the day look like? getting in the car. I mean, it was very you start detailed. from the moment you wake up. Yeah. I think we, cause this is how when I often do it with people. The moment you wake up, imagine how it's all going to unfold and sort of step-by-step through that process. Yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously coming out of it that day, I remember my blood, you know, I felt like blood pressure was lower. I felt, you know, less anxiety, just having even, you know, spoke it Mm -hmm. because it was really about, like you said, what my subconscious was worrying about and thinking about and spinning on, and then to be able to say it. But the real magic happened when I went home with the recording and then I would listen to it. I think I listened to it three times. Before the surgery. Before the surgery. And when did you listen to it? Because this is really important. Um, Before bed. Yes, because that's when our brains are most receptive to change is those liminal spaces right when you wake up in the morning or right before you fall asleep at night. So I usually encourage people to listen either of those times, but you can put it on at night and listen to it and even fall asleep to it. And your subconscious mind still processes it, even if the body has fallen asleep. Yeah. Well, the subconscious mind works all night long. Yes, it does. Which is why we wake up in the middle of the night. Which is why you or why you shouldn't have your TV playing to a horror movie or something like that, because your subconscious is still hearing messages, even when your body is sleeping. Yeah. So anyway, I listened to it and the surgery, I came back and told you, everything played out exactly like we spoke, or like I intended, intended, yeah. like I envisioned, um, down to the nurse being an old neighbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't visualize that part, but I did visualize like caring people that were walking me through this. And this was during the height of COVID and the hospital was shutting down. And so there was all sorts of anxiety around, yeah. should I even be doing this? And so I really, it really helped me prepare for the experience 
And I think I remember being very calm the morning of, I I did not have, I wasn't like up here with my anxiety at all. Yeah. Even though it was, it was going to be a big deal. And so, so yeah, I'm a, I, I'm definitely a believer, believer, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And share with our listeners, you remembered when you, when I hypnotized you, you remembered everything I said. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the myths is that when you're hypnotized, you'll forget it and, or, um, you'll be under the control of the therapist and you felt like you could open your eyes anytime, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You totally were just in a restful space Mm -hmm. listening to my words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just, it takes you, like you said, it takes you a layer deeper than when you're sitting on a couch, just talking. Yes. It's like you're, you're, you are in another space that's liminal, but it's not, it's, it's not scary and it's not a loss of control. It's just accessing a different part of your brain. Okay. That's such a great point too, because some of the fears of people doing hypnosis is a, I'm going to be under someone else's control and I will lose all control. And it's actually the opposite. When you go into that deep state of rest, you become more clear and more in control. So what I tell people is that if I would ever in a clinical hypnosis session offer a suggestion that wouldn't sit well with your soul or your psyche or your mind or your body, you would come out of trance right away. You would open your eyes and say, all right, we're done. Like, so our, our, our body mind is very wise. It's just like when you're driving and you're in the zone out place, you're sort of in hypnotic state. If a car pulls in front of you, boom, your conscious mind comes back online. Mm-hmm. You know how to react and respond right away. So, so the conscious mind doesn't disappear. keeps you safe. It doesn't disappear, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, as we said, I think it works. It can work for so many things. I also feel like, um, and we've talked about this before, but combining, you know, bringing the body I was more conscious of my body. I felt like mm-hmm. during that time too, like, and we're that's st- the pathway in. So the way you put people in hypnotic trance is to relax their body, which is such a beautiful symbolic act. It's sort of like for any of us, if our bodies are in intense stress and overwhelmed and tight and tense, nothing new can come in. Love can't come in. Beauty can't come in. Joy can't come in. And so the first step with hypnosis is we have to just let your body relax. And so the body is the way if the body relaxes and the mind is like, oh, freedom. Now I can like open to a new way of thinking about this problem. Yeah. Well, I've started and I know, I mean, it's hypnosis is different than meditation, but it is a similar. Say they're in the same state. family. Yeah. They're in a similar family. Yeah. And I've started doing that in the beginning of all my coaching sessions with people. Mm. I realized early on, because so many of my sessions are over Zoom, yeah. which already is kind of this artificial connection sometimes. Yeah. But energy comes right through Zoom. We oh, all know that. Absolutely. After the last couple of years. Absolutely. And people often show up like, okay, I've got an hour. I've got to like get it all out. And I've realized over time that that if I let the session start like that, it stays at that vibrational level. And so bringing people into that more meditative kind of state, quieting the mind, quieting and going into the body and recognizing where 
it it's like it changes the tone of the exactly. entire hour. Exactly. So you can do these tricks and and these practices in so many different areas yes. of your life. And I just was with a group this week and talked about just the breath, shifting the breath. Yeah. No one even knows you're doing it. Yeah. But hypnosis is like the deeper yeah. practice. And it's for deep change, yeah. I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think all of these practices, whether it's yoga, meditation, breath work, uh, relaxation exercises, they're all, they all live in the same family. What sets hypnosis apart is the addition of suggestion. So all of these things can put the body in this deep, open, relaxed space. But with hypnosis, then the hypnotherapist or the doctor is giving specific suggestions to help rewire the brain. And those suggestions, it's, it's somewhat of an art form to figure out how to speak to the unconscious mind because you have to be very careful about how you phrase things. And I'll give you one example that's really important. And people can, again, use this in their daily life. Um, you cannot use the word not in, in hypnosis. So you are not feeling pain. You are not having anxiety when you get up to give the presentation at work. Your brain doesn't hear not. So what it hears is you are having anxiety when you get up to give the presentation at work. So you can't use not, never. It has to be just that. No, because it doesn't work. It actually enhances the pathway that you're trying to erase. So instead of saying you are not feeling anxiety while you give the presentation, you have to phrase it, you feel calm and steadfast. Yeah. It's all positive languaging. But it's amazing how much we are tied to saying it the other way. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's even been a whole rewiring of how I think about and speak things. Another example of this is, um, again, our mind is always listening to us. So if we say, and I've said this for years, I have bad knees. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. I have bad knees. Well, my knees are listening. And so even if I have perfectly healthy knees, suddenly they're not going to feel so good. Or I have cancer. I have this intractable disease. The body hears that. So you, ha I have, like, it's like I possess it. It's me. It's part, right? Versus like, I have been diagnosed with this or I've been diagnosed with arthritis in my knees is different. The mind hears it differently than I have. It's mine. I'm entwined with this, right? right? So hypnosis and learning the art of it over these years is really how you communicate with your mind in a more positive, supportive, encouraging way. Well, and we just, in our culture, we are so, we're so trained to be in our, in our head. Yeah. But in our head at this level, that's not. Controlling analytical yeah. way. Yes. yes. Not in a way that, that we dig down and, and, and so it scares people, I think, mm -hmm. to think about going there. Yeah. Um, but it's so freeing yeah. because there's, you release things, you rewire things, yes. you let go of things that have, you know, I, I'm struck by, back for years. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. If that's constantly the message that's mm-hmm. playing in your head, then when opportunities show up for you, you immediately think that's not for me because yeah. I'm not enough. Absolutely. Not enough. So, um, well, and people, uh, will often tell me I'm not suggest, I, I'm not hypnotizable. I can't be hypnotized. Um, it won't work for me. And if they believe it, that's true. But the truth is, is everyone is hypnotizable. Everyone can go into trance states because we all do all the time. Now, there has been beautiful research done that there is, of course, like everything in life, there's a continuum, right? So there's a continuum of suggestibility to hypnosis, meaning some people are highly suggestible. And by the way, I'm one of those people. I learned that I took my first hypnosis class during graduate school. And I, um, in the course, we learned a test of suggestibility. So we were given, we were put into trance. This is a cool part about learning hypnosis is you get to go into, you get to practice it. And the professor was giving different tests of suggestibility. Like the one that I remember most is that there's a fly buzzing around your head and it's really annoying. And my head was going crazy because I felt like this fly buzzing all around me. So there's all these different tests that measure how suggestible you are. So I, I have learned that I am highly suggestible, which is, is both, again, has its pros and its cons. I've had to really understand that because I'm so open, I have to be very careful about the messages and the people and the situations I'm in. But on the flip side, I can do hypnotic sessions with myself all the time and burn through (laughs) limitations that I'm carrying. So everyone can be hypnotized. Some people will go in very deep and they're very open to suggestion. Other people will stay at a very light place, but they still benefit from it. The person that won't benefit is the person who is adamant. This doesn't work for me. I don't believe in this. I don't think it can happen. Well, that's what your mind is telling you. So of course it's not going to. Okay. And let's just be honest. This shows up at every prom party because there's three or four people up there some people are highly suggestible. Yeah. Some people Should are- Should we bust through the myths of the prom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, I mean, Let's there's a lot of myths of prom, but we're going <laughs> to- We're going to bust through the, the <laughs> hypnotist who comes at to prom at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Right. Um, and the funniest thing is my son, this was his first year that he went to prom. And of course, what did they have? They had a hypnotist, which was like what everyone was so excited about and so- the next morning, my son was telling me all about this hypnotist. And um, I said, well, you know, Peter, mom has practiced hypnosis for 20 years. I do this with my clients all the time. And so I was helping him understand what had gone on. And then I said to him, I'm like, would you like me to hypnotize you right now? And he said, and his girlfriend was over and they'd both been at this prom party. And they're like, Yes. And I found it to be my golden moment because of course, you know, children aren't really interested in what their parents do for a living. They have no interest in that. But this was a moment when my son was like, oh my gosh, yes, let's do it. (laughs) And so um, I tried to see if our other two kids would want to do it. And they were both like, "Uh, no, mom. So my son and his girlfriend sat on our couch and I led them into a hypnotic induction. And I said, it's not going to be like all the funny things that the guy did last night, because I'm not trained in that, but I'm going to, I'm going to find out how hypnotizable you are. And then I asked each of them to tell me what they wanted to work on. And my son wanted to work on his golf game. (laughs) 
Of course. And his girlfriend wanted to work on some anxiety she was having. And so I hypnotized them. I kind of did these tests of like how hypnotizable they were. And then I gave them each suggestions. And it was so classic. They were both highly hypnotizable. Like as I was watching them, I was like, okay, wow. Yeah, they're both really deep. And I gave them their suggestions. I brought them out and they were both like, yeah, I don't think it worked. Right. Like I, I, I don't think I was hypnotized. I don't think that worked. And me being the clinician who's done this for 20 years, I'm like, oh, it worked. I, I totally watched all your body language. You guys went into this trance state very quickly. So that was my proud moment of being able to. That's great. And my son just recently, he's trying to improve his golf game. And so we had another discussion. I'm like, well, we can do some hypnosis around this. So, so, but let's talk about the prom party. Yeah. So did you ever have one at yours? I had one in college. I so did going I. And mm-hmm. watching one in college. And um, there's also fear. You don't want to be the jackass on stage. So you're like, I'm not volunteering. Well, that is the first step. So. The first step is the hypnotist ask for volunteers. They do not go around and say, I'll take you and you and you and you. So everyone who raises their hand is knows that they are going to be performing in front of 300 kids and they're clearly comfortable with it. So who you're not going to get on that stage is people who don't like to be in front of crowds or people who are wallflowers or people who have anxiety about it. Like, they are not going up on that stage. So already you have a select population who is going to be more open to this, right? Yeah. So the hypnotist gets however many people in chairs up on stage and they literally hypnotize people by relaxing their bodies or getting heavy, your body's getting sleepy and they are watching who's responding. They they know that there are people that are more suggestible than others. And of course they're going to pick the ones that are highly suggestible. So after this sort of hypnotic test, they often will tap the shoulders of people who they can tell aren't really able to go very deep and ask them quietly to go back to their seats. And then they put them in trance and then they suggest things, right? Like they suggest, what was one of the things that sing like Elvis? Um, Every time the bell rings, um, you're going after the most annoying teacher. Like there were, you know, yeah. like, and so because they're hypnotized, these suggestions, the ones who are, you know, hypnotized, they take the suggestions, but they know what they're doing. They're not completely gone. They know that they're on stage and they know that people mm-hmm. are laughing, which is positive reinforcement, which keeps people going, right? Keeps, because you lose inhibition, right? You essentially lose your inhibition. And so you do these crazy things because you know um, you're you're getting laughter and accolades. Now, if that hypnotist would ever say anything that would make someone uncomfortable, right? Like you're naked and you're running through the middle of the, the gymnasium, most likely that person would come out of trance very, very quickly. So when you'll see that in these shows that people pop out of trance and then again, the hypnotist doesn't make a big deal of it. Very quietly and silently, they tap their shoulder and whisper like, okay, you can leave now. So it it all looks like the hypnotist is totally in control of everyone and they're not. They're just offering suggestion and they're tapping into this very natural state of openness that happens when people go into trance and they're capitalizing it and making really funny. But don't you think that's, I mean, so if that's a lot of the population's experience with 
hypnosis. Then if you're at a therapist, you're yeah, not- it kind of ruins it for the therapist. <laughs> it does. I feel like we've kind of we've kind of missed the the point, and maybe it's maybe it is coming back, and we'll be able or not coming back, but maybe people are going to be more open to it. And we had Tracy Stanley on here to talk about yoga nidra, which I think which is, is essentially uh, yeah. sort of the what what I would say the yoga tradition. It's the same thing. It's the same state as hypnosis, right? Yeah. So I think you know my hope is that yeah. It, I think there's such power in it. And I, you know, this woman from Denmark, they're, they're very open to yeah. it there. And, um, many cultures. And I would say that my work as a therapist who uses hypnosis is to debunk all the myths and to really help people feel safe and feel connected to me so that they, you know, trust that I am going to offer them suggestions that are helpful and useful. And so, yeah, as a therapist using it, you do have to spend maybe a little more time sort of helping people really understand the truth of it. Mm -hmm. um, but once people get a taste of it and see how powerful it is and start to see these changes in their lives, then yeah, they usually are very open to it. Yeah. So. All right. So we thought that we would end with just a very brief experience with hypnosis. So clearly, if you're driving a car, please shut this off now and listen to this later. Uh, but if you are listening to this in a place where you aren't disturbed, you won't be disturbed and a place where you could rest uh, comfortably, ideally, it's you can certainly get hypnotized seated in a chair upright. But I believe that people can go faster into trance when you're lying on the floor or lying um, on a couch in a supine position. I would suggest that for this first time, you might not be in your bed um, because then you may just fall into sleep. Um, so, you know, be on a surface where maybe you won't necessarily dip into sleep right away. And we're going to do um, just about 10 minutes or so. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, are you going to, yeah, I'm going to go on Kate's the couch. Gonna, Chanel, what about you? Do you, this is our producer. Okay. So I'm going to hypnotize the two people in the room here with me. So we're going to do just a brief hypnotic induction, which is essentially relaxation of the body. Then we're going to allow the relaxation to deepen. And then I am going to offer suggestions around um, just being in your best self, being able to really connect with your most expansive, wild, free, wise self. All right, here we go. So begin by just finding that comfortable position where you can deeply rest. Again, make sure that it's a space where you won't necessarily be interrupted. But I will say that if by chance you get interrupted in the middle of this, nothing bad happens. You can come out of relaxation trance state whenever you need to. You can never get stuck in this state. So just feeling the body resting on the floor and knowing and trusting that the body is very practiced at settling into a deep state of rest. So we start by letting our attention really begin to settle into the feet. And just noticing that there's sensation in the feet, observing the tingling, the heat, whatever's happening in the feet. And then 
imagining, visualizing, knowing that as you exhale this next time, the feet become completely relaxed. All of the little muscles in the feet completely relaxed, soft, at ease. And this beautiful sense of relaxation moves up through your ankles and your calves. The sense of warmth, sense of deep relaxation spreading into the knee joints, through the upper legs, all the way into the hips and pelvis, the abdomen. So the lower half of the body now, just observing and feeling. Again, the body is wise. This is a practice of non-effort. You don't have to do anything. You just observe and rest as the body naturally settles into a state of relaxation. So the legs now feeling quite heavy. It's as if any tension or holding or stress in the legs begins to melt away, just like the snow might melt away on a warm spring day. And as that stress and tension melts away, what remains is just ease, relaxation. Almost as if these waves of relaxation are expanding and spreading all throughout the body now as that ease moves up the spine and spreads into the chest and the shoulders, just feeling more and more relaxed. Just trusting that with every exhale your body makes, you naturally and effortlessly slip into these deeper states of relaxation that your body and that your mind know so well. This heart is soft. There's an ease that starts to spread from the heart down both your left arm and your right arm. This relaxation moving through your wrist into your hands as you now become aware of sensation in the hands, relaxed, tingly, warm. This deep relaxation spreading into the neck and the throat, the face, forehead, even the scalp is relaxed and open. As your body is much more relaxed than when we first started, the most amazing thing is that no matter how relaxed your body is, it's always possible to relate, to reach even deeper states of relaxation, ease, and openness. So in a moment, I'm going to begin to count down <clears throat> from 10 to 1. And with each number I count down, you observe how your body effortlessly drops into an even more relaxed state as we move from 10, dropping down to nine, no need to effort or force, just enjoying these waves of deep relaxation that are flowing through the bodies. We drop down to eight, just feeling a real sense of softness and ease in the bodies. We drop a little bit deeper down, down to seven, 
So nothing disturbs you, feeling so relaxed, so at ease as we drop down to six. The whole body in a deep state of ease. And as the body relaxes, so does the mind as we drop down to five. It's feeling more and more relaxed, so open, so at ease, dropping down to four and down to three. Soft, relaxed, comfortable. Just naturally hearing every word that I say, but observing how good the body feels as we drop down to two. And dropping down all the way now to one. Your body relaxed. Your mind open. So as you already know so well, because you've been in this state Numerous times in your life when the body is relaxed, the mind is relaxed. The mind is open to suggestion, to new ideas, to new ways of being in the world. We're going to work today with just showing up in the world as our most vibrant and alive and expansive self. We are all here to make an impact, to show up in ways that are of service to the world and to others. We are meant to be in our expansiveness and in our power, our compassion, and in our ability to feel and show up in the world as our best, most authentic self. And this is something we all know. We all know we are filled with deep potential. We all know and understand that we hold unique, beautiful talents and characteristics that the world needs. So I want you to, using the deep power of imagination and visualization, I want you to imagine that there is a treasure chest right in the center of your heart. And just visualize what that might look like, whether it's an old chest, a new shiny, bright chest. But right in the center of your heart is contained your wisdom, your expansiveness, your truth, your gold, your jewels. And get to know, just again, we're observing, we're visualizing, we're seeing what this treasure chest is like. And know that what is contained in this treasure chest will be of highest service to you. Again, it is your gift. It is your unique beauty and talent. It is something that you need in this lifetime. Now, again, using the power of visualization and imagination, know that you aren't 
necessarily making this up. This is what your mind is drawing you to. I want you just to imagine yourself opening that treasure chest and seeing what's inside. It might be one thing, might be multiple things. It could be symbols, it could be objects, it could be feelings, it could be memories. But just observing what is the one treasure that I contain in my heart and myself that I need to be reminded of in this moment. Allow yourself to receive the gift of that treasure, to really understand why in this moment you're being guided to remember this beautiful treasure that you contain deep within. And you automatically know in this moment why you're seeing this treasure, what it means, why you're being reminded of it at this point in time, in your own life. And from this remembrance of this beautiful treasure that you contain, open now to gratitude. Gratitude is not only a feeling, but it's a sensation in our body. It often feels like expansiveness. It feels like warmth sometimes. So experience gratitude in your body, in your heart, in your mind. And offer deep gratitude to your psyche, your soul, your subconscious mind for offering you the remembrance today of this treasure. And then know that as you move through this day and the days to come and the weeks to come and the months to come, that you will stay connected to this treasure and it will continue to show up for you as to why it is such a useful and important treasure for you to carry and hold and use in this lifetime. So taking all of this, we're going to move from this deep space of relaxation and ease, bringing it back with us as we move back to a more wakeful state. So instead of counting down from 10 to one, this time I'll count from one up to five. Moving from one up to two. So as we start to allow our body and our mind to be more wakeful, you might start to hear sounds in the room. As we move from two up to three, starting to feel where your body is in space and beginning to wiggle your fingers and your toes. You could even stretch. So as the body awakens, you still bring back this deep state of ease and openness as we move up to four. Starting to feel much more awake and much more alert. And by the time you reach five, you're wide awake, you're refreshed, almost as if you've had this beautiful deep power nap and you feel revived, expansive, vibrant and ready to take on the rest of your day. All right, Tend Her Wild podcast listeners, I hope you got something out of that beautiful hypnosis. I'm looking around the room to see, is is anyone still with me? Does anyone want to say anything or are we just going to sign off from this space? Kate, are you ready to, to speak? Oh. I think what's so striking is how you can feel so deeply. There's no, it's not like waking up from a nap where you take. There's no time. hangover. No. Yeah, no, you're just like, boom, I'm back. Yeah. So, and I'm looking at Chanel's bright eyes too. I feel like it kind of opens. A, yeah. 
guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I was with you the whole time too. Like the whole process. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Great. Did you see a treasure? I did. I saw this bright light of mm. like, mine was kind of yellow and gold and, mm. and some red. Beautiful. Yeah. And it was very much in the center. Gorgeous. And then I saw a lot of faces. So. Well, you are a collector of people, I so know. that would make sense think, that that's one of your, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. And hope everyone enjoys this as much as I did. And um, and we will put in the show notes um, places. If you feel really moved in this episode, you decide that you want to work with a hypnotherapist. My recommendation is you find someone who's licensed, meaning that they have a license in mental health or uh, they're licensed in some profession and they've gone and done additional hypnotic training. So that's my recommendation, but we'll put some resources about how to find a good hypnotherapist. And then I have some other um, recordings of hypnosis that I've done in the past that maybe we'll add into these show notes as well. Great. All right, friends. Thanks for the conversation. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental, wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. The safety-